0: Welcome to our podcast, Shockers Learning Out Loud, where we talk about the fear, the excitement, the setbacks, and most importantly, the accomplishments that come along with being an adult learner.
1: That was your host, Dr. Pamela O'Neill, and I'm your co host, Dr. Amber Anderson, and we are the Office of Online and Adult Learning. Although our department merged happened recently, Pam and I have been having fun collaborating for years. We have one goal at WSU, and that's to advocate for our online and adult learners. Our adult learners are working full-time jobs, caretaking for a family member, raising a family themselves, and involved in the community. So, needless to say, their time is limited. And we know that, and we feel you guys. Our office wants to advocate for your success. So, stay tuned for the voices of your adult learning peers as we unpack funny fails, inspiring wins, and mostly the adult learning experience.
0: With us today is Ashley Cervantes. Ashley, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm yeah. <laughs> Ashley. Thank you. Uh,
2: my name is Ashley Cervantes. I am the program director for the McNair Scholars Program. Uh, I've been with Wichita State, this will be 15 years now. Wow. wow. Yeah, I've yes. been with McNair for nine.
0: Just FYI, Ashley looks like she's maybe twenty five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the gray hair will
2: make to difference for you, <laughs> but I appreciate it.
0: So, um, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time now, right? When did we When did we first cross paths, Ashley?
2: So I spent. So I began my adult career journey. Um, mm-hmm at uh, the Communication Upper Bound program in the Elliott right. School of Communication.
0: Where we are both, you graduated, oh, you got your sense. degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: so my bachelor's is in strategic communications. Right. And I started working with Communication Upper Bound right after I graduated. Uh, Dr. Amy Louder started the program. I was an undergraduate. She invited me to work as a student assistant. It turned into a professional position. And then um, we'll talk about TRIO a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, I pretty much drank the TRIO Kool-Aid. <laughs> and, yes. Um, we actually said that in our last podcast.
0: Right. Yep.
2: Yeah. And so TRIO has just been, I mean, I was instantly passionate about it. And so that's kind of where I've spent my career. And I met you through TRIO. I know yes. we're in the Elliott School of Communication, but I right. met you through TRIO. You... Uh, worked for that first summer program? Yes
0: yes yes I taught there and did a number of different things whatever really kind of needed to be done because Mm -hmm. I still I think a graduate student when I started working for TRIO and real quickly Ashley I know a little bit about TRIO but do you can you give us a little background about what TRIO is we have and it's history maybe here at Wichita State? Sure yeah I will I will try to do it justice (laughs) <laughs> uh, so, trio
2: doesn't stand for anything. That's okay. a common misperception. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is called trio because originally there were three mm-hmm. programs, and that kind of stuck. And so, trio is a federally is a is a term for a, a bunch of federally funded programs. We serve students all the way from middle school through college, and uh, the pre-college programs uh, focus on the the middle and high school students. And that's how I met you. The right. communication upper bound is a is a pre college program, so we work with high school students, and then there are um, educational opportunity centers works with uh, returning adults. Yes, we work with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Uh, Veterans Upward bound re- also works with some returning. It's yes. they don't focus on returning adults. They focus on students who have. Um, served as veterans
0: but uh, you know i think that's a lot where our uh, we intersect there too because most of the time if you're a veteran you're automatically you know because you've served time you're automatically a returning adult so Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah so um so those are pre-college programs there's a talent search program so trio has been at wichita state for over 50 years through upward bound through student support services Student support services, disability support services, and then the program I'm from, McNair Scholars Program. We're the, the three programs that serve college students at Wichita State, and we help them finish their path, right? The pre-college programs are all about access and how can we set students up to be successful to come into college. And then the college programs, we're, we're working with students while we're here um, and helping them to be successful while they're here and then graduate.
0: Ashley, you have a wealth of information about TRIO, and I think you did it more than justice. Yeah, I know. And we have a lot of programs here at Wichita State that are uh, TRIO programs, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know how many?
2: I I think we're up to nine. We're up to nine programs. Wow,
0: that's that's great. And most generally, and correct me if I'm wrong, TRIO usually serves... um, first-generation and low-income or is it? do I have that right
2: so most of the programs serve first-generation low-income students so first-generation as defined by the federal government is neither parent has a four-year degree so some college you you are still considered a first-generation student it's if they have completed if your parents have completed a four-year degree Uh, So that's Mm first-generation, and then low-income is defined by the the federal poverty guidelines. Are we
1: first-generation? We are. I am. I am a
2: first-generation student. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: And thank you for kind of defining that, because one of the things that we try to do is uh, define those words. uh, Yes, alphabet soup. Because
1: we assume everybody knows what they mean all the time. Right, Mm
0: -hmm. and as a first-generation student, that is just, you come here and you're— learning not only are you learning uh, what the content but you're also learning this new language this new way of life Mm -hmm. and so uh, thank you for jumping in and defining terms uh, that you know you and i and amber we all know but um, a lot of times our students don't so we try to uh, demystify those abbreviations and everything so thank you for that
2: I'm going to speak it a little bit more and talk about mcnair sure, eligibility so yeah. mcnair eligibility we're first we serve students who are first generation low income but then you can also be for our program we're a little unique we also serve students who are just underrepresented in higher education and so that is uh, african-american hispanic latino uh, native american uh, hawaiian pacific islander
0: nice thank you for that because even you know i've asked before who are our underserved populations and sometimes. I I forget, but um, it's important that we talk about that. Um, And one of our adult learners, actually, one of the I want to talk to talk about her for a little bit. So, Inika Vargas, if you're listening, this this section's about this is this is about you. Um, Can you talk a little bit about Inika and how you know her? And she was underrepresented. Am I wrong there? Is, is that...
2: going to WSU? No,
0: she okay. is, where is she?
2: She is at Sam Houston State University in a clinical psychology program. Nice. She was in the program uh, for, I think, three years. It might have been four years. I, I was trying to get her to graduate and she was wanting to be ready. And so, <laughs> um, so I think she was in the program for four years. She graduated um, and went into Sam Houston. This is her um, first year of
0: study. Nice. Yeah, How I think she, so. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah, is, yeah.
2: This is her first year as a graduate student. She she was a phenomenal student. So she came in. Um, I always I always joke that like students are really shiny. They're really exciting when they come into the program. Went to McNair because they know what to say and they come in. It's like before they've disappointed you. Yeah. And like, oh my gosh, it's so real life. Thank you for saying that. Because we're students, right? And there there are times when you struggle and you fail. And like, I'm all about supporting students. But you know, it's that first moment where you get really excited about somebody um, when they're coming in. And Inika was just a phenomenal student from the beginning to the end. Right. Um, and she took full advantage of everything that we had to offer. She attended meetings. She came and met and did her advising meetings. She And she just threw herself into it. She took advantage of, like, every opportunity she had to do research um, and to get herself closer to where she wanted to go. She was great, too, because she knew when to say no. Like, so she yeah. knew That's when hard. To, That's a good boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she, like, you know, we would joke that, um she she put enough effort in to get herself to be successful but if it wasn't worth her time she wouldn't put any effort into it which i think is important it is so
1: important i'm wondering if that's associated more with adult learners because they are balancing so much they've learned to be more comfortable saying no Mm -hmm. it's something i struggle to do oh i still do
0: to this day yeah um Somebody probably should have, when we started this podcast, should have said no, Pam. You guys <laughs> no, stop. No. No. But uh, Inika, and it's, I'm glad you said that because she it was our first Alati, and Alati mm-hmm. uh, is the adult learner of the year. And I started mm-hmm. these awards because I know how important it is to recognize students like Inika. Mm-hmm. And so not only was she part of the Monair Scholars Program, but she was our first adult learner of the year Mm -hmm. recipient and so um always holds a special place in our hearts you know her name will forever probably be i hope associated with our offices
1: how did how would you say your office works what are what is your experience working with students enrolled in, in an online program here at wsu or just an adult learner or both um or are you mostly doing first-year program student, like which kind of demographic do you usually see in your office?
2: So we recruit students, so we work with undergraduate students uh, who meet our eligibility requirements, but beyond that, we wanna see students who are uh, interested and committed to a graduate degree program. So our ultimate goal for our students is to help them attain a doctoral degree. So everything we do is around preparing them for graduate study and specifically Mm -hmm. doctoral education.
0: Um, I think for myself, and I think Amber and I have talked about this, when I came in Wichita State, I had no idea. I don't even know if I knew. I knew a little bit about, okay, there are professors at college, but to me that was like in another life where I don't, you know, it was just so (laughs) out there. Um, I didn't even think of a graduate degree. Did I know that you could get a master's and a doctorate? Yeah. Did I think I was able or something I wanted to do? Not at all. Not particular.
1: Yeah, it's not until the faculty talk to you and and tell you, oh, you can do this. You should do this. You're really good at this. You should, you know, apply for a graduate degree.
0: So when you're talking to our online learners or our adult learners, do you feel that, do or would you say they kind of know when they come in, or are they learning about you on the fly, or do you know how you're connecting with our students?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. So, you know, we're talking about, like, you kind of led this whole thing about uh, talking about terminology, right, and understanding mm-hmm. of what things mean. I think... There might be some peripheral knowledge about what graduate student or what graduate programs are, but really you don't, you, don't, you know, that's part of the first-generation experience, you know, and you're probably lucky if you meet some faculty member who's sure. like, you should consider graduate study. Right. Um, and so McNair, like my hope is that we're kind of bridging that gap, right, where we're helping students explore and learn and know what this means anyways. A lot of the students that I get during the recruitment process, You know maybe they kind of have this idea of what graduate study is but they don't know what the difference is between a master's program and a doctoral program Mm -hmm. and so part of the conversation that we have is talking about what the difference is what can you do with a master's degree versus a doctoral degree and i might refer them to a faculty member
1: Mm -hmm.
2: because i'm not an expert in every field i can't i can't be that subject expert so so um i know my students probably think why is she telling me to talk to all these people? No. <laughs> the
1: same thing. though. we're yes. the experts, and right. but we know them. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can connect you to the experts for yeah. sure. Yeah. I know
0: that I've encouraged uh, some of our adult learners, many of them, to go talk to you. So let's let's just for an instance, real quick. Let's say um, someone's listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, that might be something I'm interested in." What do they do, Ashley?
2: So they can always come and see me and we'll talk about it. They can mm-hmm. apply to be in the program. Uh, the website is wichita.edu slash McNair. We're accepting applications right now. Uh, we'll, we'll accept applications through the end of March. Uh, we recruit now for participation in the fall. The time commitment to participate in McNair is about four to five hours in a month. It is a choice you're making, you're choosing to participate, but we, we, don't, uh, we don't have busy work. Everything we do is for a purpose. There's individual advising meetings that take up about 15 to 30 minutes in a, a week. So they're mm-hmm. weekly meetings where you meet with a specific, you know, success coach advisor to talk about individual goals, and then we have group meetings where we cover, we fill in the gap of knowledge. We talk about what does it look like to be in graduate, like what do you, what is graduate study, what does that yeah. look like? How can you prepare right now as an undergraduate student to be competitive at that level? We bring in faculty to share their expertise um, and talk about what they look for in students, and so. Uh, So yeah, so that's kind of the crux of the program. There's also a research component. We serve 28 students a year. Once you come into the program, you're here till you graduate, unless you withdraw from the program. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, about 14 of those students every year we want to see do academic research through the program. So we help them pair with a faculty member they design a research project so they get to do research in their field it's a great way to affirm if you're interested in what you're studying Mm -hmm. Um, and then at the end of that process uh, i mean we make you work for it but there's a 2800 dollars stipend at the end of that wow Um, that's nice yeah so we're not a like there's a misconception sometimes where people see mcnair scholars program and they think scholarship
1: yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was. Yeah,
2: and so we're not a scholarship program. We don't have that funds you. for our students, but through the research component is one way we do, you know, have some funds that we they go right. directly to a student. We encourage them to save that to to fund their graduate experiences, right. but um, it's their money. It mm-hmm. goes to them.
0: Very nice. So you know, I was thinking back to when I was somebody introduced me to graduate school or whatever it was. What are some of the research projects, can you talk about that for a little bit, just what that looks like and what is a research project?
2: So it can be anything. I mean, we have students from engineering to anthropology to political science. So we have a lot of psychology students. Mm-hmm. And so it really can be whatever you're interested in. I have had engineers. So you're not limited. You're not limited. Okay. Um, and, you know, and we can brainstorm and you can talk to faculty. And, I mean, there's it, really the sky's the limit. You're, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, I had, let's see, some of the novel things that... Students have done in the past I had a student look at like horse human behavior which is like how is that bonding experience between a human and a horse I think she was looking at like grooming like different ways of grooming or times of grooming yeah and how that impacted horse behavior that was a pretty early project in my tenure with McNair but it's stuck in my mind
0: (laughs) so one of the things that I never even thought about um, until I was taking a class as far as research goes and it became my thesis was childhood obesity Mm -hmm. and so i looked at media campaigns and so even for someone like myself who is interested in more of the liberal liberal arts Mm -hmm. um you can do anything really like you Mm -hmm. said that the sky's the limit as far as communicate or not communication but as far as research projects go would you Mm -hmm. say yep all
1: right. When I was an undergrad, I was I did research with a professor in psychology. and it, it, it seems random to think about bonding with a horse through grooming. <laughs> Interesting, right? But uh-huh. I, when I think about my research, it was also kind of random too because uh, we our study was based around the cold presser task. The what? Cold presser. What's task. that? Where we would have participants come in and like see how long you could stick your arm into ice water. Oh, and the pain, and like how, like measuring pain tolerance through that and doing a whole research design around that. So that was kind of my first research topic. Not that I was interested right. in threshold for pain. But <laughs> I, got to teach me, I got in, I got to see how it, how the studies went, right? How we did the IRB, how we collected data, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was fun to see people, you know, cringe right arm in right mm-hmm. ice cold water at random but right. kind of
0: fun real quick irb do you remember what that stands for amber i'm putting her on the spot let's see if she gets this
1: internal research
0: i believe we can double check but i believe it's the institutional, institutional review or research review, review board, board. Review board. Yeah, and so that's just an internal office. Well, I think they're all over the United States, but you get your – you work with the IRB, right, a little bit, do you or no, Mm -hmm. Ashley? Yeah, Yeah. it's
2: focused on ethics. Okay, And those are some – like, that's another terminology that just – like, you know, I have a lot of students that – That whole process of, like, all it is is just making sure that your study isn't going to harm somebody. Correct. Right, right. And so you go through this process. Yeah, you fill out an application. You demonstrate how your research is not going to do that. That can can feel intimidating to kind of approach. But we support students through that process. Their mentors are there to support them through that process. The whole research experience through McNair, is intended to give you experience with the process. Like, we're not, we are not expecting that our students are going to solve world hunger or, you know what I mean, or, like, address some yes. major right. issue. Yeah. We want them to understand the process of research. Yes. And so whatever interest they have, they can design a study around that, and, you know, we support them through the process. Right. And the IRB is helpful, too. That It's not right. that they want to be a Debbie Downer and say no to what you want to
1: do. They And if they have, if they don't approve what you, how or a piece of your study, they'll give you they'll come back and give you alternative approaches and and they'll help you mm-hmm. work through it to make sure your participants are safe.
0: Amber, mm-hmm. I know that you had to do a little bit more on your when you did your doctoral study. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that really helped you? I mean, because you were looked at a certain population. And so, can you speak to that a little bit?
1: So, I I did. When you do your research study, you have you do a proposal and you send that to the IRB, and then they review it and, and tell you what they think if that's going to work and mm-hmm. if that's ethical. And uh, but for me, I was working with a um, a vulnerable population. I my dissertation was on undocumented Latinos pursuing mm-hmm. higher education, so you know they were particularly vulnerable. So I it was right. hard to find them, and they. So we did have a couple extra meetings to touch base about how to go about handling this population, making sure that their um, let's see, their identities are protected at all costs, and right. they can quit anytime. And so,
0: yeah, yeah, it, that, we
1: had a couple, yeah, couple yeah. extra meetings, and it, it
0: can be scary. But here's the good thing, and I think this is what McNair scholars do; they kind of prepare you for that. Yeah and know that, you know, um, should you go on to get that doctorate or whatever, you've already experienced that and you know what Mm -hmm. it's there for and you don't face that for the first time in a doctoral program or something like that because that can almost be you're like sitting there, you know, just hoping your study gets approved, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you've gone through it before and you've had help, it's a lot less intimidating. And so um, kudos to McNair for doing that because that... That would have helped me because, yeah, I had to do my uh, IRB for my doctoral program, too. And while mine wasn't a vulnerable population, I still had to go through the process. And mm-hmm. um, if I had done it before with someone else, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been as scared. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it, it, it did feel like I was being judged, and that's not what's going on mm-hmm. at all. No, they're they are there to help you.
2: And that's probably the biggest feedback that we get from our alumni, is just having that experience with the, the whole process, right? That's why we focus on the process, because maybe IRB is a challenge for you, but it could be the writing component that's a challenge uh, for somebody else. Right. And so going through that whole process, um, I mean, the biggest thing our alumni say is like, I wish, I'm glad I did it as an undergrad, because now that I'm doing it as a graduate student, like I feel like I'm ahead of my peers, right? because I've faced these things before. Um, and so that's, I think, a value that we bring to the students that we serve. Great.
1: So um, I will ask the question that I revised. <laughs> <laughs> we so, had
0: laid out questions for Ashley, but we revised them <laughs> we a little did, bit. <laughs> we
1: tend to go off track and do circles and circle back. Um, I guess one of my questions are was I know that you guys influence your students' lives a lot. I mean obviously with all the things that you do, but is there would you say that any of your students have changed your life?
2: Yeah, I think definitely. So I read that question and I'm like, it's hard to say who it's it's hard for me to say this student in particular because I think almost all of my students yeah. changed my perspective in some way. Um, you know, because they're bringing different perspectives, they're bringing different experiences that are like maybe new to me. And so certainly I think my students, like going through this process, being a McNair scholar, even be, or being, a, being with McNair scholars, even with my upper bound students, you know, they show you a different part of life that you, you know, as humans, we kind of go through our own experiences. Sure. Right. And I feel like I've, I'm in a great position to be able to see a bunch of different perspectives. And so I've certainly learned from several of my students. Um, And my returning adult students bring a lot of different perspective, too, and so I've, you know, I think I've learned a lot from my returning adult students, too, just Mm -hmm. seeing their lives, seeing their expertise, workshopping things, and, you know, it's, it's, it's great. And then once they're alumni, you know, we still stay, I stay in contact with as many of my alumni as I can, and it's just great to see them grow. And then be friends on the other side of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That
0: that's one of the things I love about working here is that every day I learn something, even when I'm not trying. Right. Whether it's like learning about these students and the different the different lives they've lived. And um, I know for me, like one of them will, you know, once in a while someone will say, I couldn't have done it without you I'm like, um, yeah, you could have mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've had students say yeah. that to mm-hmm. you. Um and while that, you know, I, I get how that feels, but um, it, it's fun to be able to make an impact. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that you've made an impact in many of our students' lives. So thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it. Um, and you, we can, uh, if you don't have an answer to this question, I still want to ask it, though. Mm-hmm. So our, our uh, podcast is called Shockers Learning Out Loud. Mm-hmm. And we ask our adult learners what their learning out loud moment is. Um have you had a learning out loud moment or where you just went oh my gosh i never knew or i never thought
2: yeah so i i i think traditional academic study has always been something that was my jam right Mm -hmm. like i recognize that it's (laughs) not like there are there are challenges for some students right the curriculum the system that we're in doesn't work for some people Right. And I recognize that on this end, but it works for me (laughs) Um, (laughs) or at least it had worked for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then once I got into graduate study, it was just different. Like my my study skills worked through high school. My study skills worked through college, through my undergraduate um, degree program. But once I got to graduate school, it was like, you know, you really have to set aside time, so much time to read Mm. (laughs) and like do all of that stuff. And so that was that was a pretty shocking experience for me. And so just that time management, right? And so I mm-hmm. certainly have empathy for my students that I serve now knowing that like, you know, you you got to develop these study skills. Your natural inclination, your natural ability can only take you so far. Right. Like at some point in the process you're going to have to
0: We talk about time management all the time, especially yeah. our adult learners who are, you know, doing so many things. I went to a conference recently and they said their and students their wives, their husbands, mm-hmm. their partners, their caretakers, their employees, their employers, mm-hmm. and they are students.
1: If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, mm. what would you tell her? I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, you know, if I go back 18 years, man, I, I would be the person I needed as a an adolescent, I would I would be sure to tell myself, you can do this, yes. you do bring value to the table, even yes. if you are low income, or you're coming in first generation. Um, I didn't know, I just always felt like I was, I was coming from a deficit place, and I didn't bring anything to the table, and I was always the odd man out. Or, you know, we sit around in meetings now, and I feel sometimes still, that little girl is still kind of like, what do you really I belong here? here? Yeah. Do I add value? So I think, for me going back, I would really nurture that you do belong here. Mm-hmm. There is a place for you, and and a. Past that is what now I can do for students
2: who are in that position. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean that that resonates with me. Just that kind of affirming that you belong here, kind of thing. Um, I think. I had a lot of uncertainty about what path I wanted to take, especially as a, you know, as an 18 year old. I I went to college, (laughs) like I'm a first generation student, but like my grandparents, my parents really pushed going to college. So I felt that pressure to go in and come to college, but I had no idea what to do. You didn't know how. Right. right, how, how, and then beyond how, it's like, well, okay, so here I am.
0: Now what? Now what? I
2: parked. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, I go to this class. And now that this class is over, now what? You know, where yeah. do I go? Where? What do I do?
2: And yeah. especially too, I think like with like I see I see myself in some of my students, right? Yeah. Um, I do too. With like with just the aptitude and the talent and what and you know and so you have all these paths you can take because you can do a lot right and so it's like what you know that that almost is paralyzing Mm
0: -hmm. oh yeah yeah the overwhelming i i know i i've kind of felt that way too because like amber and like you there's this oh do i really belong here my parents were farmers i grew up on a dairy farm you know Mm -hmm. what what value could i honestly bring Mm -hmm. and so um yeah there is that but there's there's you find your way here, mm-hmm. and Amber and I have said that, you know, you show up, you, right. s- you sit down, you show up, and um, we help you find, or somebody will help you find your way That's at so Wichita cute. State. We talk
1: a lot about just showing up, right? Like sometimes you just want to disappear because you don't feel like you fit in, or maybe you made a mistake paying for this class, <laughs> and you're sitting there. Um, but sometimes the most brave the bravest thing to do is just continue to show up and mm-hmm. that's what I did and faculty and staff helped me find my way and, and then I got my doctorate like, you know, I just it you can't Show up every day and not have opportunities
2: fall into your lap
1: mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely and I think you know something I try to do as a McNair director and um, just working with students is just to affirm that right you belong here Mm -hmm. and um, you know you have capacity you have talent you can take this opportunity and make something of it and also um, you don't have to take a path just because you know it's it's open in front of you like you have the choice like you you can steer right at this point and you can choose what you want to do and so I think just to circle back to that what would I do right I would tell myself you have a lot of opportunities steer go where you like lean into that right
0: yes (laughs) what interests you yeah yeah Yeah, that's true well thank you uh, uh, Ashley I think that about wraps it up for us real quickly though if a student says, "Oh, you know what? Hey, maybe I am interested." Mm-hmm. How can they reach you?
2: The application is open now. Will be open through the end of March. I think that's perfect timing to air because I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you, even though we have it open for a month. Students usually fill out the application in the last two weeks, um, and <laughs> <Yep>. so <laughs> go to the website. Um, however this shirt you can share my uh, yes. email yes we, we, we will and do and so um they can reach out to me directly i can share the application it's a it's a pretty we've tried to make the application process as painless as possible there is an essay i met with a student who was like oh at least there's not an essay i was like oh but oh, there is oh but Ooh. there is yes <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna tell them, <laughs> who's gonna tell them? <laughs> but it's only 300 to 500 words we're mm. just asking you to outline what your goals are how does graduate study fit into your goals and um we will and so yeah encourage i mean i would like to see everybody apply i think um you know we work with all undergraduate students. I see a lot of returning adult students who come into the program yeah. just because, you know, we talked about earlier, uh, it's hard to know you want to go to a graduate, st- yeah. you know, a graduate program when you're early in your career. But a lot of my returning adult students are coming back and they're like, well, I'm here now. I might as well keep going. That's <laughs> um, it. That
0: That's kind of what I thought. Might as well keep going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and
2: they come back with that clarity of goal. It's like, okay, I can yes. achieve more. And, um, and so we can help you get there. We have a lot of returning adult students that we work with and so mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to apply I think I have 15 spots open um, but nice. apply and we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can to get you there
0: and just FYI Ashley and I we keep running into each other and we do here in this building because she's over here in Grace Wilkie annex uh, where my office is so we literally okay. run into mm-hmm. each other quite often so uh, phone number real quick Ashley um, do you have a phone number you want to share?
2: Yes, uh, 316-978-3139.
0: Awesome. I think that about wraps it up.
2: Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank it was you. really guys. nice Thank you. to meet you. Yeah.
0: Thanks. It was good to see you again, my yeah. friend. Thank
2: you both.